As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at KillerQueensPodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Killer Queens Podcast. And we're on YouTube at Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. Okay, y'all, before we get to today's case, we wanted you to take a quick moment, listen to the True Crime Guys promo that we're about to play. If you listen to us, which is what you're doing right this very second, you're going to love them. I feel like we're kind of like the male, female versions of each other a little bit, like just banter um, mixed in and it's kind of a lighter take on cases. I've been listening to True Crime Guys since before I even started a podcast. So really think you're going to love it. Give it a listen and head on over and check them out. Hello and welcome back to True Crime Guys podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. How we doing people? Uh, I'm sure they're doing fine, Lauren. But um in case you didn't know, this is not a regular episode. We're actually on an episode of Killer Queens podcast right now doing a promo. Uh, so yeah, kind of awkward. Uh, no big deal though, because to be honest, Killer Queens listeners sound a lot like True Crime Guys listeners, right? You like True Crime podcast where we have a lot of consideration for the victims, but also have a little bit of witty banner, maybe a few jokes sprinkled in here and there. Nothing wrong with that. Kind of keep it light. Make it sound like you're talking with your friends. You know, that sort of thing. Oh, and don't forget, we also got some dope, some music. dope music. So if you're looking for a podcast that's hosted by two friends who genuinely like each other and just have a lot of fun talking true crime, then give True Crime Guys a try. To be far, we're also known for some crazy sporadic tangents and also some bad foreign accents. So be aware of that. But it's all in good fun. And here at True Crime Guys Productions, that's our number one goal. So if you will, give us a listen, subscribe, tell your friends, but most importantly, keep creeping. Welcome back to Killer Queens. Yo, yo. <laughs> yo, yo. I feel like um, we should be like, was up or down, just dropping you a line. <laughs> Exactly. Sword. Yeah. So I'm the first to sign your crack. 
on a school billboard sign. I don't know. Yeah. It said, have a great summer. And I was like, hags. <laughs> That's all I can think of. Hags. Gross. I hate it. Um, all right. So we're doing Heaven's Gate, y'all. Crazy. Yeah. This was not requested by anybody, but Sloan researches a lot of the cases and she wanted us to cover it. So it's worth covering. I feel like it's very intense. Yeah. And very intense. I think a lot of people have a really uh, big fascination for cults because they're mm-hmm. just so messed up. Yeah. We haven't done a lot of cults either. We did Jim Jones. Yeah. And we covered Word of Faith. Word of Faith. Those are both Patreon cases, weren't they? I don't know. I can't remember now. Yeah. So I think we. I don't know that we've done one on the regular feed. Mm-mm. So now we can do a cult with everybody. I know. You are welcome. Yeah. All right. couple things. Make sure if you have not joined our Patreon yet, join it. Shoot on over there. Yeah. There's so many episodes. We've got our murder mixtape every single week. You get just an extra case. And then if you do the $10 level, you get the Doc Jams, which is episode by episode, like docu-series coverage. So that's three episodes a week. Then if you go over and listen to Oh Snapped, which is just free everywhere, four episodes a week. The only thing better than that would be hanging out with us all the time, just being in our pockets. Yeah, but that's pretty much the same. It's exactly the same. Yeah, exactly. So definitely want to check that out. And when you join, you get immediate access to like all the previous episodes. So you can just binge your heart out. All right. Enough of the business. <laughs> now let's get to the business. Yeah, let's get to this business. So yeah. there is, um, just to warn you, trigger warning for suicide that will be discussed. Absolutely. So if, you know, if that's something that you don't want to listen to, then this is not your episode. But we right. wanted to put that out there. Yes. All right. So we'll get started. Sloan gave this section of the show an excellent name. Black tracksuits, Nikki. Nikki. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Have I been saying it wrong this whole time? <laughs> it's Nikki. Nikki tennis shoes. <laughs> what? Nikki, just do it. <laughs> Nikki, do it. Oh, my God. Okay. Black tracksuits, Nike tennis shoes, and barbiturates. Oh, my. On March 26, 1997, Rio D'Angelo, his previous name was Richard Ford, entered the 9,200-square-foot mansion that his friends rented in Rancho Santa Fe, California. Upon entering, he found all 39 people inside dead and made a call to 911, wanting to make an anonymous tip of a religious group's suicide. He used a nearby payphone and told the dispatchers that he wanted to report a mass suicide. They didn't even believe him at first, and they didn't act on it right away. Uh, They were like, yeah, okay. Dumb kids. Wouldn't you like... I mean, I guess it sounds okay, not a normal day at the office, but... But it's not the same kind of prank call as like, is your your, uh, refrigerator running? Well, you better go catch it. Yeah. Can I talk to Seymour Butts, please? Right. Yeah, he's like, I'm looking for Amanda, hug and kiss. Yeah, like, there's 39 people dead. Please come over here and look into it. Yeah. Come on. That's your job. Rio was a former member of the Heaven's Gate cult, and he had just walked in on the results of the cult's mass suicide plan that was intended to take their spirits to the next level above human. 
All 39 people inside were wearing identical black tracksuits with a patch on the sleeve that Rio had actually designed himself and identical black and white Nikes. All 39 were laying in bed face up, some with bags over their heads, all with purple shrouds over their bodies. All 39 had $5.75 on their person, one $5 bill and three quarters each for their interplanetary toll. That's a good deal. (laughs) I guess. I guess. The members of the cult all believed that this wasn't a suicide, but instead they were being taken up to the 33 alien spaceships that were following behind the Hale-Bopp comet that was passing Earth for the first time in 2,000 years, and it would be another 2,000 years before it would return. Inside one of these spaceships was God, and each of the members would receive a new body upon their transcendence. I have a question that is not something that I think you can answer for sure, but something that we I would like to discuss. If, in fact, you do receive a new body, do you get to pick your own body? Hmm. Or are you just issued one? I feel like you're probably just issued one. So like being born? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, because don't they talk about, or maybe it was the other one that talked about reincarnation and they were just like, you know, you come back as another person and you remember you have all these memories from your past lives. But yeah, you don't get to pick it. I would like to pick my own singing voice and I would like to pick Amy Winehouse. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a that's fair. Yeah. Okay. I don't really care about my body so much, but the singing voice is important to me. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. I think I'd like to have curly hair next time around. Oh, you know, just try something different, like on the way we were. Curly. No? Ah, remember? That's the whole thing about Barbara Streisand Babs and Hubble didn't want her because he wanted a, a girl with real sleek, straight hair, but she had curly hair. Did I and watch she was just, that? Yes. Remember, we were so mad at Hubble. And she went up to him at the end and she was like, your, your, your girl's nice, Hubble. And he's like, thank you. And oh, then yeah. she didn't walks we, away. Like, hate the end of the movie? Yeah. Yes, because Robert Redford, you should never be that mad at Robert Redford in a movie. Yeah. And he just did everything wrong. Yeah, he was such a douche in the movie. Alone in the master bedroom was the body of the leader of the Heaven's Gate cult, Marshall Applewhite. Okay. Now we're going to talk about Marshall Applewhite. He went by Herf a lot. Was that his middle name? Like some people called him Herf, and then some people called him Marshall, but then some people called him all his other nicknames. What would Herf? be short for? I don't know. I can't, I can't think of anything. Herford? Clifford? Herford? Herfman? Yeah. Her. Herfalump? Herfangelo? <laughs> no. Yeah. It's, uh, I've never heard that at all. Ever, ever, ever. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Marshall Herf Applewhite Jr. was born on May 17, 1931 in Spur, Texas. His father was a Presbyterian minister and Applewhite grew up learning the Bible. <laughs> Sloan put a picture of him in the notes and it says, look at these Manson lamps, which translates to crazy eyes. <laughs> Manson lamps. Manson lamps. I love oh, it. Oh, that's hilarious. He has crazy eyes. And he like, does. even when you see pictures of him when he was a young man, his eyes are creepy. They're so creepy. Why? Like, I feel like I would not fall under his spell. I feel like I would just be terrified of him. He just scares me to look at him. He's weird looking. He went to Austin College and earned a bachelor's degree in philosophy in 1952 and quickly enrolled in Union Presbyterian Seminary to study theology. With goals of following in his father's minister footsteps, Applewhite did the family man thing, marrying Ann Pierce and having two kids, Mark and Lane. He eventually decided that his passion wasn't in seminary, but in music. So he left the seminary and moved to North Carolina to be the music director of a Presbyterian church. He was still into the religious aspect, but he preferred to praise through music rather than through sermons. Applewhite was drafted into the Army in 1954 and then left in 1956 after serving in Austria and New Mexico. Once he was out, he enrolled in the University of Colorado and earned a master's degree in music. Then he tried to become a star, as so many cult leaders do, and moved to New York City to try to become a professional singer. Surprisingly, that didn't work out for him. And he moved yet again to teach at the University of Alabama. Oh, no. Yikes. Oof, that hits close we to We don't want to know that. No. Yeah. But Applewhite got into some trouble and was fired for having a sexual relationship with a male student. And this is in the 50s? Mm. 60s? That's, you know. I mean, you can't be with a student. But at that time, you definitely can't be with a male student if you're a man. No, 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 yeah, no. There's just a lot there. But he and Anne, his wife, separated in 1965 when she found out about the affair, and their divorce was finalized in 1968. After being fired from the University of Alabama, he moved back to Texas and began teaching at the University of St. Thomas. And Sloan said, I guess they didn't call for references. Uh, yeah, I wonder how, it just seems like there's so many professions where it's like, I got fired for something pretty bad here. Like having a relationship with a student at all is a big deal. Well, I've seen the Friends episode. I know that. Exactly. Yeah, as a professor. So it's definitely not just frowned upon as Ross learned the hard way. Exactly. But yeah, you would think that that would be relayed. To the next school. But, but how many cases? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Specifically, nurses Doctors. named Janine. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh man, I don't remember his name. 
the guy who killed Hannah Graham. Yes. You know, he got kicked out of his schools for sexual assaults and rapes and just kept bouncing around to other schools and like nobody said anything. They're just like, that's your problem now, right? Horrible. So he starts teaching at the University of St. Thomas. He says that he left this job because of a nervous breakdown, but he was actually fired again for once again having an affair with a male student. So he definitely didn't learn his lesson. Like, if you if you want to have a relationship, have a relationship, but do it with somebody who's not a student. Like, there's other people out there. In March of 1972, Marshall Applewhite meets Bonnie Lou Nettles, though how they met has had many versions. Nettles Journal said that they met when he visited a friend at the hospital where Nettles worked as a nurse. Nettles' daughter, Terry, said that they met at a theater where Terry worked. She said that Marshall Applewhite was working there and Bonnie was doing astrological charts for people and that her mother did Applewhite's chart and she told Terry that there was something different about his chart, like something special or something. And she was like doing all these astrology charts for like all the moms there. And there was just something that drew her to him and she thought they were spiritually linked. But it was a spiritual link that shunned sex because of the fact, and I love that Sloan actually said this in the notes, but the taco shop was open, but Applewhite's more of a Nathan's hot dog type of guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's nothing wrong with either, but it just, no. they couldn't, you know, their organs disagreed with each other. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it works out mm-hmm. that um, their spiritual link is not sexual in any way, shape, or form. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Nettles was also raised in Texas in a religious family. She grew up Baptist. By 1949, she married a man named Joseph Nettles, and they had four children. Their marriage was slightly rocky before Bonnie met Marshall. Terry said that she and her mom would go into the backyard at night and look for UFOs. And according to a New York Times article, Nettles had begun to believe that a 19th century monk named Brother Francis was talking to her and telling her what to do. She also began holding seances at their house every Wednesday and seeing fortune tellers regularly. 
one of which allegedly told her that she would soon meet a mysterious man with light hair and a fair complexion. And then she met Marshall Applewhite. Well, there you go. Did the fortune teller say that he's going to have Manson lamps? Because I feel like that's a deal breaker. Right. (laughs) Exactly. They ran off together on New Year's Day of 1973. Nettles abandoned her kids and husband, but she did regularly write to Terry, who was about 20 at the time. So the other kids can just go kick rocks then? I guess so. Husband too? Okay. Yeah. Okay. She's just like, well, done with that. And she was married for like 23 years. Wow. Yeah. And Terry said that when they would look for UFOs in the backyard, they both felt like kind of like outcasts anyway, that they didn't really fit in. And they were just, they were hoping that they would see one and get abducted by aliens because they felt like they, they would fit in better somewhere place else. wasn't here. Yeah. It's like on sad. Independence Day when the UFO actually does come and everybody goes up to like the... Empire State Building with signs or like beam me up, but then the aliens kill them all. Yeah, because that's not what they're here for. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's really sad to think that you feel like you'd be more at home with aliens. Yeah. That could very well just be here to suck the life out of you. We don't know. Tall gray and they're like so scary. Yeah. My God. Yeah. I don't do, I don't do space. I don't do aliens. I don't do that shit. Because it's terrifying. Yeah, that movie Dark Skies scared the shit out of me for a long time. Okay, yeah, same. Yeah. Can't even. Because I kind of believe in it. I know, it freaks me out. I'm like, what if it happens? I know. But I do pay a lot of attention to my dogs. Because remember, the dog knew. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the dog knew. They do know. Also, the kids know. And like, kids, little kids are always like, you know, they just say stuff. They're like... Hey, what's that in the corner? Yeah, who's that behind you? Uh, like, what? God. <laughs> yeah, also the fourth kind. If you ever see an owl, you better run, girl. Oh, hell no. I started watching that, and then I was like, nope, 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 No, I know myself. But it was a good movie. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was, like, well done, but it the trailer scared the shit out of me. Sure it did, yeah. Can't do it. Okay, so Marshall and Bonnie hit the road. Mm-hmm. During 1973, they opened a New Age bookstore in Houston, Texas, which quickly failed. So they did some soul searching and traveled for about six weeks and decided to open a restaurant in Taos, New Mexico, called Sunshine Company, which also failed. These are like random, like you can't just start a business like that and just be like, huh, you know what? I think I'll open a restaurant today. I yeah. think I'll open a bookstore today. Well, yeah. And like, Think about the area that you're in, the yeah. time of the world that you're in, yeah. and maybe don't open like a sunshine paperclip store. Yeah. 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 And they don't know the area they're in. They've been there a whole day and a half or something. It's like, yeah, you need to know about stuff. You need to know the location. You need to know the area. If it's overly saturated, what they need, what they want. Yeah. You gotta have a business plan, man. Yeah. You can't just fly, like float in the wind like a little feather, just willy nilly and be like, well, you don't know. I've always wanted to be a successful restaurateur. Yeah. And I think one day just the decide day. to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Blech. They traveled around and supported themselves with money from odd jobs until their car broke down in Oregon. They were camping near a river when they convinced themselves that they were the two witnesses that were discussed in the book of Revelation, chapter 11, verses 1 through 14. 
Yeah, so they think they're going to be appointed by God or that they've been appointed by God and that they will receive information from God and they'll be able to prophesy to everyone. Mm Mm-hmm. In their belief system, Jesus was to be reincarnated as a Texan, kind of like Applewhite, and they believed that they had higher level minds than anyone else. I feel like they're taking the 90s hit God Blessed Texas to a whole new level. Yes. It's like Jesus is going to come back as a Texan. Why? I know for a fact that only Texans would believe that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a different kind of pride. Yeah. That is Texas pride. Yeah. There's a, a lot of Texas pride. It's great. I'm not saying anything. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's just funny. You know, it'd be like if we were like, well, if Jesus came back, he'd come back as a Vols fan. Yeah, exactly. He'd come out and come back in orange and white checkerboard. <laughs> yeah. Because Applewhite was a fan of science fiction and because of their feelings of superiority, they believed they would be recycled. They were in these vehicles, which are their bodies. They only refer to them as vehicles pretty much, as camouflage and were sent to Earth to lead humanity out of the corrupt world. I really hope that our bodies are not vehicles because I've had really bad luck with vehicles. Mine always break down. That's true. You know, flat tires. I always run over nails. Mm-hmm. Always. Check engine light, always on. Always on. Yeah. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. My AC doesn't work. It's a whole thing. It's, yeah. Okay. So Sloan copied directly from the website of Heaven's Gate. Yeah. It's still up. And he, okay. So it says Doe's intro purpose. He went by, at times, he went by Doe and she, Bonnie went by T, which were, Notes, musical notes, no mm-hmm. and T. And then they also went by, what were the other ones? I don't know. They had all these little nicknames for each other. And it was like, this wasn't one of them, but it was like yin and yang and like whatever, yin and yang, whatever. Okay. So it says 2,000 years ago, crew members of the kingdom of heaven who are responsible for nurturing gardens determined that a percentage of the human plants of the present civilization of this garden. Earth had developed enough that some of those bodies might be ready to be used as containers for soul deposits. What a sentence. That's one sentence. I'm I need the cliff notes here, man. <laughs> Upon instruction, a member of the kingdom of heaven then left behind his body in that next level, similar to putting it in a closet, like a suit of clothes that doesn't need to be worn for a while came to earth and moved into or incarnated into an adult human body or vehicle that had been prepped for this particular task. The body that was chosen was called Jesus. The member of the kingdom of heaven who was instructed to incarnate into that body did so at his father's or older member's instruction. He moved into or took over that body when it was 29 or 30 years old at the time referred to as its baptism by John the Baptist. The incarnating even was depicted as the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, Luke 3.22. That body named Jesus was tagged in its formative period to be the receptacle of the next level representative, and even just that tagging gave that vehicle 
some unique awareness of its coming purpose. There are so many things in quotation marks. It's like every couple of words, it's like, quote unquote, quote unquote, quote unquote, <laughs> like parentheses. Yeah. Um, yes. It's so wordy. Mm-hmm. The sole task that was given to this member from the kingdom of heaven was to offer the way leading to membership into the kingdom of heaven to those who recognized him for who he was and chose to follow him. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, meant, since I am here and I am from that kingdom, if you leave everything of this world and follow me, I can take you into my father's kingdom. Only those individuals who had received a deposit containing a soul's beginning had the capacity to believe or recognize the kingdom of heaven's representative. They could get his father only through total reliance upon him. He later sent his students out with the good news of the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and his followers could then help gather the flock so that the shepherd might teach others what is required of them to enter his father's house, his father's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, in the literal and physical heavens, certainly not among humans on earth. If this is something that you have to read through before you join this or something that you have to sit through while you're listening to someone, I have checked out completely. Totally. I'm out. Yeah, I don't, I'm not interested at all. Leaving behind this world included family, sensuality, selfish desires, your human mind, and even your human body, if it be required of you. All mammalian ways, thinking, and behavior. Since he had been through this metamorphic transition himself from human to level above human, under the guidance of his father, he was qualified to take others through that same discipline and transition. Remember, The one who incarnated in Jesus was sent for one purpose only, to say, if you want to go to heaven, I can take you through that gate. It requires everything of you. Okay, I'm sorry. When we were talking about music, about Texas, you know, like God bless Texas. And for whatever reason, I thought, remember the one who incarnated, who incarnated in Jesus was sent for one purpose only to say, if you want to play in Texas, you got to have a fiddle in the band. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Our mission is exactly the same. I am in the same position to today's society as was the one that was in Jesus then. Whoa. (laughs) Bold claim. Yeah. My being here now is actually a continuation of that last task as was promised to those who were students 2,000 years ago. They are here again continuing in their own overcoming while offering the same transition to others. 
Our only purpose is to offer the discipline and grafting required of this transition into membership in my father's house. My father, my older member, came with me this time for the first half of this task to assist in the task because of its present difficulty. Looking to us and desiring to be part of my father's kingdom can offer to those with deposits that chance to connect with the level above human and begin that transition. Your separation from the world and reliance upon the kingdom of heaven through its representatives can open to you the opportunity to become a new creature, one of the next evolutionary level rightfully belonging to the kingdom of heaven. That's that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So, all right. That's just the intro. Like, there's so much more, and you can, we'll link to it so you can read the rest of it if you want to. It's a um, lot. It's so wordy, and it's just a lot. Yes. Um, but he goes on to kind of talk about why is it difficult to believe or accept us. So he's going ahead and addressing objections, which is a sales tactic. You mm. want to go ahead and get those out of the way. He just, he talks a lot, and then he quotes a lot of the Bible. It just, I don't know. It's just a lot. So we'll we'll post it if you want to see it. All right. So then they were arrested for stealing, not returning a rental car, and using stolen credit cards. Bonnie was released quickly, but Applewhite spent six months in jail where he wrote a document he called Statement as their first recruiting opportunity. I think it's Statement 1. Oh, I'm sorry. Statement 1 as their first recruiting opportunity. And Sloan copied it directly from the website that's still active. So again, we'll link to it. But basically what he did was he like, they said he spent that six months kind of revamping his doctrine. So, I mean, he I guess he didn't have anything else going on. So yeah, a great time to really work on your material. Yes, to revise that. And also, if you're saying that you are the basically the second coming of Jesus or God is telling you directly to do these things. Yeah, if you're a prophet. And then you're turning around breaking the law. Left, right, and center. Yeah, you're using stolen credit cards. You're stealing cars. Mm -mm, I don't think so. I don't think those go hand in hand. I don't think so. Because of their reference to the caterpillar and the changes it undergoes, their original group was named Human individual metamorphosis. So they likened your shedding of your body. Yeah. Like a caterpillar changing into a butterfly. They mailed this notice and changed their names. Not, oh, here it is. Not legally to Guinea, which was Nettles, and Pig, which was Applewhite. So yeah, they had all these like, like Guinea and Pig, like dough and tea, all these things. In order to convey the message that they were part of an experiment by the next level, Guinea and Pig get their first followers and once again change their names to Bo and Peep. Oh my gosh. They make their first public appearance at a meeting at Canada College and their membership jumps to about 200 converts. Bo and Peep. (laughs) I just, I feel like if I'm like at a conference and this guy with Manson lamps gets up and he's like, I'm Bo. And she's like, I'm Peep. And they're like, come join us. We're going to go up in a UFO and shed our vehicles and whatever. It'd be like, no, 
I don't think I'm going to take direction from a bow and a peep. Well, sure. But you have to think, I don't know the time in the world. This is in the 70s, mid 70s, early 70s. A lot of LSD, I'm sure. Well, that's true. Yeah. And it was a time like cults were rampant at this time. Like a lot of people were really looking for religious experiences. But like something different that felt tailor-made to their experience and they Mm -hmm. wanted to feel like they mattered and made a difference. Yeah, they wanted it to resonate with them. Absolutely. Yeah. Like there was a hole inside of them that they needed to fill. mm -hmm. Yeah, and they, Marshall Applewhite especially really exploited that whole like, I need to find something that I resonate with, that I feel something about you know, that I really connect with. And he used that to his advantage in a disgusting way. Mm-hmm. In September of 1975, Bo and Peep and the crew made an appearance in a small town in Oregon called Waldport. They gave a lecture about how UFOs were coming and the crowd of about 150 people came thinking it was a joke. However, 20 people packed up all their shit and abandoned their lives to follow the UFO cult to Colorado, where there was supposed to be an even bigger meeting, about 400 people, of people who thought aliens were coming for them. The meeting never happened, and most of the Oregon converts went home, and none of them were among the final 39 dead. Wow. Yeah. I also read that, like, in studies that they've done, that 20% of Americans believe in UFOs. I thought, I honestly thought it'd be more. Honestly, me too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you don't have to just think UFOs are real to be somebody that would follow them. You got to go steps further than that. But absolutely. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. It is. There there was bad press involved with the Oregon meeting. So Bo and Peep dip out to other states that they decided had good energy. They were very about like the energy of states, like Colorado was one of them, but now they're in trouble in Colorado. So they're like- That's got bad energy, man. So yeah. Yeah. So they they go to all these quote unquote good energy states. That's the only places they'll spend time. Another part of Applewhite's delusions was that he could communicate telepathically. He was able to convince multiple people that if they mentally said the Lord's Prayer, he would hear them and then he would reach out. And they actually did an interview with this guy who was doing some work for him. He was like an expert in I don't remember what. And they were like, you could really... Obviously, he was not an expert in bullshit. (laughs) No. And they were like, you could really help us advance our message and all these things. And so Marshall's like, I totally communicate telepathically. So if you need me, okay, you just say the Lord's Prayer like in your head and I will respond. And so he said he'd been working with him for a while and he never did that because he kind of thought it was silly. And then he tried it one night and the next morning, Marshall called him and that wasn't normal. So he was like, huh, I guess he can. I guess this is real. See, like it confirmed it for him. When Marshall was, I mean, obviously just going to call anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess one doesn't actually believe in coincidences. Right, exactly. By 1976, the cult was a hot mess, and Applewhite and Nettles, or Bone Peep, reappeared in April at Manhattan College in Kansas to announce they were no longer accepting new members. 
the quote-unquote harvest was over. I do not like that word. Mm -mm. That sounds yuck. Yeah. Like, it reminds me of, is it Blade Trinity? Where they have, you know, they have the, like, harvest of all those bodies wrapped in those things. Yes. Or like a bug's life. But that's with seeds. Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, that's probably a better way to look at it. I think so. With seeds, yeah. Yeah. Members were selling their blood to blood banks, and wealthy members were signing over their trust funds to keep the group funded. That's commitment. Could you imagine being the family and being like, Barry did what? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All of it? Yeah. In July, the crew moves to Wyoming for the summer, and many of their members leave because Bo and Peep enforce a bunch of strict rules banning hugging, blue jeans, jewelry, drugs, and sex, among many other things. Applewhite had been promiscuous in his previous life, he said, and he also wanted to pretend he was not attracted to other men, so he tried to physically separate himself from all the men in the group already. So the sex restrictions made it even easier to keep the distance as well as control his members. Wow. There are 17 steps also copied directly from the website. Number one, can you follow instructions without adding your own interpretation? Who does that? Nobody does. Yeah, not real. Number two, can you deliver instructions as you receive them or do they change according to your computer? What computer? Like your brain? I guess. (laughs) This is funny. Torella's is still loading. Her computer is. Loading. (laughs) Do you participate in inconsiderate conversation, polluting the ears of others while you and your partner work things out? I feel like that... I definitely do. I feel like that went... Like, do you have an inconsiderate conversation polluting the ears of others, and then while you and your partner work things out. So like, just while we're talking about things, maybe not. Do I gossip sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like the two don't necessarily really go together. They're not mutually exclusive. Yeah, it just, it doesn't make sense. Are you physically clumsy, breaking things because you handle them too harshly or too carelessly? Wow. That feels, it feels personal and it feels like an attack. Yeah. Five, do you halfway complete a task because of your poor standard of what is thorough? That's rude. Yeah. Do you put tasks off, procrastinate? I'll answer that one later. (laughs) Do you want it in there? (laughs) Yeah. Everybody does that. Everybody does that. Seven, are your patterns of cleanliness, sensitivity, gentleness, et cetera, consistent or are they good only when spotlighted? Mm, That's a good question. Who are you when I'm not looking? Mm-hmm. Blake Shelton. Where were you when the world stopped turning that September day? That's not the same. No. Then go. Do you use more of something than is adequate? For example, excessively high cooking flame, more toothpaste than is necessary? The toothpaste. That's <laughs> very specific. I feel and like yes. All the time. All the time. Um, I also use more than one square of toilet paper while we're on the subject. Yeah, that's actually really wrong. Yeah. I use too much shampoo and conditioner. Oh, yeah. I want that to bubble up for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, I just feel like if you're reading this list, don't you feel like 
wow, I'm going to mess up every day. What, who could be admitted or like accepted into this group? If in, is, can anybody say that they can definitely do all these things? Yeah. Or maybe you're, maybe you're answering no to all of it. And then he's like, see why you need us. Oh, there you go. Yeah. See why you're so messed up. Work on this with us. Yeah. We can help you become a better person. Nine, do you go from one extreme to another as from overeating to undereating, et cetera? Are you sensitive when approaching another individual about something you want to discuss? Do you permit that individual the choice to continue what he is doing? Or do you force him to drop it in order to give attention to you? Do you stop and check? Or do you assume that what is on your mind is more important than what is on theirs? Know the difference between your relationship with your teachers and your fellow classmates in this regard. That's a long one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just all one question. Can you repeat the first question? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you needlessly ask a question when the answer is obvious or a moment of silent observation would quickly reveal the answer? I am the worst at that. That is a question that I wish I could ask every single person I've ever worked with because <laughs> could this be an email? Yeah, exactly. Because like every time I was, you know, when I was a manager and had people under me, they would be like, Trella, I can't figure this out. Trella, I can't do this. Trella, can you? I'm like, oh, I feel like they'd be like, Trella. Yeah. And it's like, I know that if you sat there and you tried it once, you'd probably figure it out. Mm-hmm. Did you at least try first? And the answer is always no. They never tried first. No. Like, well, I was going to, but yeah. Are you pushy, aggressive, interfering, or demanding in any way? I mean, I, I think everybody has the ability to be. Yeah, everybody is in, at times. Right. Has familiarity caused you to become so relaxed with your partner? or others that your actions or words don't hold enough restraint? Hmm. Are you gentle, simple, cautious, and thoughtfully restrained in your steps and all other physical actions or words? Who? Everything. In all of your words, in all of your steps. Like, no, of course not. (laughs) Have you outgrown defensiveness and its flip side martyrdom? Hmm. No. Can you understand and review in your mind all the ways in which members of the next level are sensitive? If you can, you have no excuse for not working on improving in these areas. Hmm. That's not even really a question. No. When your teachers have asked someone to do a task and it relates to you, do you treat that task and its deliverers with as much respect as you would if it came directly from your teachers? Hmm. Teachers hold a very important place, I guess, in this. Well, because I think that Doe and T or Bo and P or Barney and Fred, yeah, <laughs> they consider themselves the ultimate teachers. Yeah, the teachers. Yes. Yeah. So they have to, I mean, they have to be the best, right? Mm-hmm. There are also major and lesser offenses also copied from the website. So some of the major offenses are deceit, sensuality, permitting arousal in thought or in action, not nipping it in the bud, uh, breaking any instruction or procedure knowingly, lesser offenses. There's many more of these. (laughs) Uh, Taking any action without using my check partner, trusting my own judgment or using my own mind. That's controlling. Yeah. Twisting procedures for my own benefit. Responding defensively to my classmates or teachers. 
staying in my own head, having private thoughts, not staying open with my partner, separateness. So you just can't be your own person in any way, shape, or form. Inappropriately offering suggestions, second-guessing, or jumping ahead of my teachers. Allowing anxiety, stress, tension, hyperness to affect my performance. Having likes or dislikes. Wow. Desiring attention or approval. Wanting to be seen as good. Okay. Exercising poor control of thoughts running through my head. Being easily distracted. Being vain about my appearance. Vibrating femininity or masculinity in any way. Having inappropriate curiosity. Identifying with influences. Using the I or me pronoun in application to an offense instead of recognizing that it was an influence using me. Hmm. Over-examination. Finding negative where there isn't one. They also had a rigid vitamin routine starting every day at 7.22. What books and TV they could and could not enjoy, even the direction of the razor when shaving, and the circumference of their pancakes were controlled. Wow. You're going to want a symmetrical pancake, that's for sure. No, I do. I mean, I don't think that you should stand to have anything that's anything less than symmetrical. Yeah. They were training for what was supposed to be a very disciplined life aboard the spacecraft. Some members had jobs outside of the house, plus they went out to eat and things when they were out in public, and they were all to follow strict instructions, and they were not allowed to interact with outsiders, ever. I also read and watched in a documentary that when they would go out to eat, they all had to order the same thing because individuality is completely reprimanded. It's not allowed. Yeah. So who decides that what you're going to eat? I would guess apple white or nettles. <laughs> right. At some point, Applewhite began to doubt the allegiance of his followers. So he casually brought up the idea of castration. Is there such a thing as casual castration? I don't think, I don't think so. I don't think so either. He's like, um, hey girl, this is not, it's not like a definite or whatever. I'm just like trying to like feel you out here. Just get like, a read on how you're feeling about it. Yeah, I'm just like kind of thinking about castration, what you think about that. Yeah, like no big deal. No big deal. Not a big deal. What? It wasn't a demand, but in the end, Apple White and six of his followers flew down to Mexico City and were surgically castrated. I also... I mean, I guess they all survived this, but when I used to work at the plastic surgery office, we would have people come in who would go down to Mexico to get procedures done that doctors wouldn't do here or that were too expensive here. And they would come back with like major infections and just like all kinds of stuff. Like Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, there's a reason that, You have to go other places to get stuff done sometimes. After they reappeared for a while, they disappeared back into seclusion until 1992. During their seclusion, they once again changed their names. This time, they became Doe and T. So Applewhite was Doe, T was Nettles, like the notes of a musical scale. And their numbers decreased to less than 70. In the early 1980s, the group's name was changed to Heaven's Gate because Doe and T felt they were the keys to get into Heaven's Gate. 
And Nettle's letters to her daughter, Terry, began showing signs that she wasn't all in anymore. Terry said that her letters began to indicate that she might not be as invested as she once was, and that Applewhite may have taken things in a direction she wasn't completely willing to follow. Trouble in paradise. 100%. Yeah. So that's actually where we're going to stop today. And as always, if you want part two immediately, you can head on over to the Patreon. We'll have it there. Otherwise, you know, you can catch the next episode next week and we'll finish up with, you know, the rest of it. (laughs) Yeah. We'll start at the beginning and when we get to the end, we'll stop. That's what we're going to do. Sounds great. That's what's happening. Well, thank you so very much for listening and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. All right, so before we get going today, we've got some patrons that we want to shout out. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Thank you to Tabitha, Rachel, Mendy, Ron S, Jennifer L, Auburn M. Welcome back, girl. Rebecca P, Brenda G, Emily H, and Kelsey A. Thank you so much. We love you guys. Thank you. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening and we will meet you back here next week. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloan Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at killerqueenspodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.